This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. Beautiful move to the net. Great shot, score! And Edmonton completes a dramatic comeback! Cassie left it for McDavid, drives the net. What a shot! Top right corner, unbelievable! Two flyers draped all over him. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos. 6.30 Chad. Alexander Ovechkin absolutely destroying Andrei Svechnikov in a fight tonight in the game between the Capitals and the Hurricanes. A 14-year and 40-pound difference between the two men, but i got to tell you, from what I saw, Svechnikov was looking for it. Ovechkin gave it to him in more ways than one. It was scary. Svechnikov went down hard. His head, back of his head, with his helmet on, hit on the ice. He had to be helped off. I would uh, suspect that that's going to be in the concussion protocol. But uh, Ovechkin can do it with his stick, can do it with his shot, and he did it by delivering some shots with his fist tonight. By the way, the Hurricanes do lead that game 1-0 after 1 Capitals lead the series 2-0. Warren Fogle has the only goal in the first period. Maple Leafs and Bruins scoreless early in the second period. No Nazem Kadri for the Leafs tonight. No Nazem Kadri for the Leafs for the rest of the series. This is not a hockey play. Instead, this is a player retaliating against an opponent by using his stick as a weapon to make forceful and direct head contact. While we understand that Kadri took offense to DeBrusque's hit against Marlowe, Players are simply not permitted to flagrantly violate league playing rules because they feel the retribution is justified. It is also important to note that Kadri has an extensive disciplinary track record that must be considered when issuing supplemental discipline. Not only is Kadri considered a repeat offender under the terms of the CBA, having been suspended for three playoff games almost exactly one year ago, but Kadri has also been previously suspended for a similar retaliatory cross-check to the head of an opponent. Detroit's Luke Glendening. To summarize, this is cross-checking. Kadri has been suspended four times and fined once in his 561-game NHL career. The Department of Player Safety has suspended Nazem Kadri for the remainder of the first round. All right, so there are the highlights of the always thrilling suspension videos that the NHL puts out. Kadri out for the rest of the series, and that's for the cross-check on Jake DeBrusque on Saturday night. And as we play you that audio, the Maple Leafs score. Trevor Moore getting one past Tuka Rask. So about three minutes into the second period, Toronto goes up 1-0. Later tonight, the Predators and the Stars. That series is tied 1-1. It starts at 7.30. And at 8 o'clock, it's the Flames and the Avalanche. That series also tied 1-1. The Edmonton Oil Kings will start their East Final against Prince Albert. 
That'll be Friday and Saturday in PA. Games 3 and 4 in Edmonton next Tuesday and Wednesday. Tickets go on sale at 10 o'clock tomorrow morning. Check out oilkings.ca. Oh, back to the NHL for a second. Another suspension to tell you about. Joe Thornton gets a one-game ban for his hit on Thomas Nosek in the Vegas-San Jose series. The final rankings put out by NHL Central Scouting today. Jack Hughes, number one. Vancouver Giants defenseman Bowen Byram, number two. Saskatoon's Kirby Doc, number three. Of course, he's from Fort Saskatchewan. We'll talk more about him later on in the show with Saskatoon Blades play-by-play voice Les Lazarek. Four Edmonton Oil Kings in the Central Scouting rankings from North American skaters. Matthew Robertson is number 26. Vladimir Alistrov, 118. Josh Williams, 145th. And David Cope, ranked 202. The AJHL final resumes tonight. Spruce Grove home to Brooks. Brooks up 2-0 in the best of seven series. They won the first game 3-2. They won the second game 3-2. And that one went to double overtime. Uh, Friday night, while most of us were probably winding down the evening, uh, the Oilers put out that press release about Connor McDavid will be getting a uh, rehab process on his injured left knee. Uh, he does have a partial tear of a PCL. I know talking to people I know in the uh, rehab-type industry that uh, this is not a, a serious injury. If it was mid-season, he might be missing you know, six weeks, give or take, depending on the severity and, and the point the Oilers might be at in their season. Uh, I was told that this does not play a uh, major role in the integrity of the knee, no surgery involved than generally a straightforward rehab and there's a, a picture going around like this is a Pruder film on social media of Milan Lucic on crutches uh, the Oilers saying that he did suffer a minor lower body body injury before the uh, final regular season game in Calgary he'll need a couple of weeks to get over that and he's going to be uh, more than fine when the regular season and camp starts in the fall all right so that is what's going on tonight my name is Reed Wilkins inside sports on Oilers and Eskimos radio 630 Ched uh, the Combe Generals won the Allen Cup. They beat Innisfail on Saturday night. We'll have their captain on later on in the show as well, as we have a lot to get to this evening. You are welcome to chime in by texting 630-630. You can also call 780-496-0063. Certainly the Cadre suspension going to be a big story. He is suspended in the first round of the playoffs against Boston for the second year in a row. Remember the hit on Tommy Wingles last year that got him a three-game ban? Well, this one will be at least three. It is for the remainder of the series, so it's either going to be three, four, or five games. I don't mind that they did that. I don't mind that they just say remainder of the series. It gets you out of that series against that team. You know, it uh, it it doesn't say something like, well, it's it's five games, and if the if the Leafs are out in the next three, he has to miss the first two games of next year. I think that's a good way to do it in the playoffs, just to say that a guy is gone for uh, for the rest of the series. All right. We are uh, going to be flying through a lot tonight. The New York Islanders are uh, a pretty incredible story here in the first round. Well, all year. I mean, they went from a, a horrid defensive team to the leaders in goals against in the National Hockey League, and now they're one win away from knocking off the Pittsburgh Penguins and advancing to the second round. They will try to do that tomorrow night. When we get back, we'll catch up with their play-by-play voice, Chris King. And Boston has tied... Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. 
to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, price line. The game. So Leafs and Bruins 1 1, four and a half minutes into the second period. This is Inside Sports on 630 Chet. Subscribe to the Inside Sports Podcast. Available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you find your podcasts. This is 630 Chad Inside Sports. Back of the net. DeBrus comes in to help. DeBrus for out of the net. Shoots. Anderson to save. Rebound. Krejci shoots. He scores! A quick response from the Bruins. Work down low. And it's DeBrus who finds Krejci, who hammered it home. And this game is tied at one. All right, that's the goal we were telling you about just as we went to break. Boston and Toronto 1-1 in the second period of their series. You can text 630-630. Frustrated fan writes in. He says, if Kadri fights DeBrusque, he doesn't get suspended. But because fighting is not commonplace anymore, he does what he does and he gets suspended. That is from Frustrated Fan. And uh, this texter says, Reed, you should try to get the job announcing suspensions. That guy they are using now is terrible, or is that a computer? It is also important to note that Kadri has an extensive disciplinary track record. A little known fact, that's Patrick Stewart. That's how diverse the man is as an actor. He can can go from being Captain Picard to having the most bland, computer-sounding voice in the world. That's Patrick Stewart. I bet you didn't know that, did you, Kellen? I learn something new every day. (laughs) You really do learn a lot on Inside Sports. Yeah, I mean, would you want a Bruce Buffer or Michael Buffer type announcing the suspensions? This man has been suspended for 12 games. No, you need need a subdued, American-accented Patrick Stewart. That's the only way to go. Right. It's also the only actor I could... It's just the first actor that came into my head. All right, uh, thanks for writing in to 6363. Yeah, I don't think they want to make the suspension videos too exciting. I think they want to make them sound as as legal as possible, just as blunt, here's here's what happened, here are the facts, neutral emotion. I think you're right. I, I think it would sound worse if it was the other way. All right, <laughs> you can text 630-630. Uh, man, a lot of interesting series going on. Islanders get it back to the Penguins end here. Everly left circle, shoots and scores! For a third straight game, Jordan Everly lights the lamp, and the Islanders have tied this game at one. Five seconds to go in this one. Penguins have it at center ice to the Islander line. One last shot. Robin Leonard, the save, the horn sounds, and the New York Islanders come into Pittsburgh and win game three by the final score of four to one. They take a commanding 3-0 lead in best of seven series the man calling that Hofstra University radio the play-by-play voice on the Islanders radio network the one and only Chris King Chris welcome back to Inside Sports how are you doing I'm doing great Reed how are you I'm doing very well it's nice to have you on the show and uh well you know a couple series could end here right away I'm going to talk to Matt Salmon a little bit later on about the Lightning in Columbus series so that's a bit of a shocker it's going that way but the New York Islanders uh rolling along here against the Pittsburgh Penguins um man I mean to me there were a lot of questions about the Islanders because you know could they repeat what they did in the regular season and they're playing Pittsburgh and Pittsburgh has all that playoff pedigree and the Islanders Islanders obviously do not but that experience certainly hasn't been a factor uh you know helping the Penguins in this series the Islanders have control absolutely 
Green, and I think you know that was the big storyline going in. Obviously, the Penguins got where they got this season with offense and uh, all those big names that everybody knows, and you know guys that have won two Stanley Cups in the last three years. The Islanders got there by defense and young players, and again, very few who have any Stanley Cup experience at all. So um, that is why I think going into the series, many folks favored the Penguins, even though the Islanders did finish above them by three points in the regular season. But so far in the playoffs, you know what? It's the defense of the Islanders has been a much more important uh, ingredient uh, to victory than has the experience of the Penguins right now. And again, the Islanders have a three games to none lead. They're not, you know, getting ahead of themselves, but with a chance to close it out tomorrow night here in Pittsburgh and the way the last two games have gone in particular, um, they have to be feeling pretty confident. Well, the goaltending and the goal prevention was a big story for the Islanders throughout the season. Let me put it to you this way. How much of that was the impact of Barry Trotz and how much of that was the impact of some players just you know, playing really well and maybe even playing better than they had at other points in their careers? Yeah, a little bit of both, Reed. I would say, uh, you know, certainly because Barry Trotz, when he arrived from Washington with his Stanley Cup rings, uh, you know, walked into the Islander dressing room and said, look, guys, I have a defensive system that works and I can prove it, meaning I just want a Stanley Cup with it. Obviously, uh, they did a great job, especially in the finals, shutting down the Vegas Golden Knights where nobody else could. So you're talking about an Islander team that a year ago gave up not only the most goals in the National Hockey League last year, the most goals in the NHL in over 10 years. So he had a big task in front of him. What do they do this year? They go out and they give up the fewest goals in the National Hockey League. That's the first time in 100 years that that's happened in the NHL. So it's a credit to Barry and the system as far as uh, you know the defense is concerned. And the goaltenders have both done a great job, too. I mean, Robin Leonard and Thomas Grice uh, almost equally split the wins for the Islanders this year. They both finished top five in the NHL in goals against average and save percentage. And you have to give a lot of credit to you know one of the guys that also came over from Washington with Barry and Mitch Korn, who's known as the goaltending guru, and also another goalie coach they brought in from uh, AHL Toronto and uh, Piero Greco. Those two have done a tremendous job in working with Robin Leonard especially, but you know Thomas Grice too to, to help them improve their games. Chris, one of the stories when the Edmonton Oilers were in the playoffs two years ago was that they played 13 playoff games and Jordan Everly didn't score. I don't think that's specifically why he got traded, but I think it was one factor that led to that decision. Well, clearly he's taking advantage of the offensive opportunities in this series. How is he doing it? How does he look? He's been incredible, Reed. And I think, you know, the one thing you know and everybody up there from watching him over the years, he is an incredibly streaky goal scorer. And he's been the same way with the Islanders. I remember back, you know, his first season uh, two years ago, he started out ice cold. I, I, he went over 10 games without scoring his first goal as an Islander and then went on a couple of tears and finished at 25 two years ago and uh, seven game winners, you know, clutch, clutch goals to lead the team. And then this year, again, he had that late charge. Once again, he had uh, five goals in his last seven games to close the regular season to get to 19. So he almost had uh, you know, a 7-20 goal season. He had five of those for Edmonton, one for the Islanders and just missed it. But then the playoffs started and boom, he's now scored in every single game. Uh, so they're calling him goal a game, Everly. He's had assists in each of the first two. And on Sunday here when he scored uh, to open the scoring for the Islanders, he was actually the leading goal scorer in the NHL playoffs. And when he picked up you know, that goal, it also gave him the most points of anybody in the playoffs. He's since been passed, but uh, you know, he's just had a terrific start to these playoffs. He got reunited with Matt Barzell, who was his main center a year ago, about a month back, and really they've uh, reignited that chemistry that you know helped Everly to the 25-goal season last year and helped Barzell win the Calder Trophy as Rookie of the Year. All right, so, uh, I mean, th- th- they got the huge advantage, obviously, in the series, uh, but 
how are they uh, how are they between the years how's the confidence level it must i mean they must be sky high but how do you how do you look at their prospects here to close it out in four in a row yeah, it's a great question, Reed, and you know what? It starts at the top with Barry Trotz. He is the most even-keeled, uh, level-headed coach you're ever going to see. There was no celebration in that room yesterday, you know, when when they won uh, game three, and they know the job isn't done, so they have taken it literally as a one shift at a time, one period at a time, one game at a time approach all year. But if you look at the way the series has played out, you know, they won game one by one goal. They won game two by two goals. They won game three by three goals, so they've gotten better as the series has gone on, and they know they just need to keep doing exactly what they've done so far, which is play absolutely suffocating defense, you know, to keep Sidney Crosby and his entire line off the score sheet the whole series. Meanwhile, that Islander top line of Barzell, Everly, and Lee has 12 points, has just been nothing short of remarkable. So they're not going to change a thing that they've done in the series thus far, and the hope is, you know, they can end it here tomorrow night in Pittsburgh. Well, Chris, always compelling to watch. Thanks a lot for weighing in tonight, and we'll probably talk to you again down the road if the Islanders keep going, man. Appreciate your time. Anytime, Rita. Always appreciate talking hockey with you, having some fun here tonight. All right, that is Chris King. Check it in. Play-by-play voice for the New York Islanders, and they are one win away from moving on to the second round. Pizza Guy Nick writing this text to 630-630. He says the Islanders should trade Eberle. He's absolutely useless in the playoffs because he isn't tough enough. Signed Oilers management. Pizza Guy Nick with an early nominee for text of the night. Did we, didn't we establish who Pizza Guy Nick works for? I've forgotten. He'll I can't remind remember. me. But he actually is working doing pizzas while he's listening to Inside Sports. It's pretty cool. Uh, and this texter says, how about Tiger Woods? What a comeback after all those years. Wow, 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 wow. <laughs> it, it was a wow moment. Kellen, you weren't here last week on Wednesday. Mm-hmm. When I was talking about Tiger Woods, and there is a uh, listener to Inside Sports who does not like Tiger Woods and does not like when I talk about Tiger Woods, as the Leafs just scored to go up 2-1. I think it was Matthews. Oh, I think he just said a dirty word while he was celebrating the goal. Imagine yeah, that. don't read lips. <laughs> and this this individual said, the Tiger Woods, mark my words, will miss the cut. Oh, I should have placed a bet with that listener. Yeah, no kidding. Just a friendly wager. Just a friendly wager. Look, he's incredible. Whether you like him or hate him, I think you have to admit, admit he's uh, he's incredible. I don't think he's done winning majors. And you got to look at it this way. There's been a lot of, okay, he's been through all these injuries. He's old. He's a generation older than all these guys now. He, There's a generation of golfers playing who were inspired by watching Woods when they were younger or in their teens, and now they're playing against him. Well, you know, Woods on top of his game, if he, if he stays healthy, and that's still a big if, Woods is still pretty tough to beat. And is he old or is he only 43? I mean, in golf, with his ability and his mental toughness, and Nicholas won a major at the age of 46, and, and he wasn't in the condition that Woods is in now. I, I don't I don't know if he breaks Nicholas's record. I don't know if he gets to 18 or more, but I don't think he's done winning majors. What's wrong with the Lightning? When we get back, we'll find out.
You're listening to 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Alex Ovechkin has dropped the gloves in a fight here and taking down the Carolina player Andrei Svechnikov. Wow, and Svechnikov is out. He is hurting. He can't get up. I don't know what happened between those two, but Alex took the gloves off and went to wailing on the teenager Andrei Svechnikov. They've been going at it for a couple games here, sticking each other. There's no love lost between these guys, and we'll see what happened here. But Ovechkin, you don't see that very often, but uh, he was throwing them pretty darn good for the best goal scorer in the world. Uh, Yeah, and Svechnikov still not up. And Svechnikov in some trouble, only on his hands and knees. Boy, didn't see that one coming with 9.01 to go here in the first period. So that's the call of the fight. John Walton, Capitals Radio Network. We told you about that off the top of the show. Ovechkin and Svechnikov. Svechnikov doing his best to irritate Ovechkin. He was looking for it. So Ovechkin said, fine, I will give it to you. And it didn't last long. Three or four punches by Ovechkin and... Sveshnikov went down, hit his head on the ice. His helmet was on, but he hit his head on the ice hard. And the Hurricanes have said he is not going to return to the game with an upper body injury. I'm sure he's going through the concussion protocol. Warren Fogle has scored both goals for the Hurricanes. They lead the Capitals 2-0, nine minutes into the second period. Toronto up 2-1 on Boston. That's with six minutes left in the second period. Later, Predators and the Stars, the Flames and the Avalanche. The Flyers have hired Alain Vigneault as their new head coach. Flyers went 37, 37, and 8 this past season. AJHL Championship resumes tonight in Spruce Grove. Saints down 2-0 to Brooks in the best of seven. Blue Jays and Twins are scoreless in the top of the fourth. And if you missed it earlier as well, Nazem Kadri suspended for the rest of the Boston-Toronto series. Joe Thornton suspended one game for that hit on Nosek in the Vegas-San Jose set. Brian texting 63630. He says, in my opinion, Tigers win the second greatest victory. Jack did it at 46 46 years old. Yes, I was back in 1986. Another texter simply says, I can't stand Tiger. He is a powder and a terrible role model. Well, our next guest is neither of those things. Matt Salmon from the Tampa Bay Lightning Radio Network. Matt, how are you doing? Oh, Reed. You're so lucky that uh, we share an interest in craft beer and uh, Def Leppard because uh, I wouldn't do this for anyone else, given our team's situation right now. <laughs> well, so I'm pouting a little bit, just a tad, just a tad, but I'm, I'm a good role model, I believe. I, I believe you are a good role model, and I've never known you to pout, but but, uh, but thanks for did you Now, did you get to see the Ovechkin-Sveshnikov fight? Have you been near a screen in the last hour? You know what? Actually, uh, much to the chagrin of your listeners, I, I've been catching more of the Leafs and Bruins game, but I saw the uh, video of the uh, Ovechkin fight, and that actually doesn't surprise me a bit. I mean, he's not known for being a fighter, but when he is provoked, he can let loose. And uh, I've seen Alex Ovechkin enough uh, through the years in the halls of NHL arenas, and he is a very, very big guy. And Svechnikov will learn his lesson. Uh, go pick on somebody else. Uh, leave Ovechkin alone next time around. Yeah, I mean, I've been seeing, you know, as you know, Matt, social media is a perfect way to gauge measured reaction. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but, but, you know, I'm seeing some of the stuff like, well, why would Ovechkin do that? And I was like, well... He didn't. He didn't jump Shvetchnikov. Like 
it, there wasn't a fight with an instigator, but if you had to identify an instigator, in my mind, you would identify Sveshnikov. Like, he was, yeah, he was trying to get under his skin. Yeah, he, he was looking to do it. And like I said, if you provoke, if you poke the beast enough, and of course, that's why they have Tom Wilson on his line. And, and you know, if you're Wilson, you, you can't go crossing over that line. You know how close he is to, you know, getting some uh, long form of suspension in the playoffs. He can't do that to the Capitals again this year. So, uh, you know, it's... It's odd that you see Ovech can do that, but like I said, when he does, he can let loose. And he is a – everyone gets caught up in the scoring side of his game, uh, but the physical side, I've seen him not necessarily just, you know, drop the gloves and go at it, but, you know, how hard he can play at, you know, at both ends of the ice. Uh, he, he is still, even at this age and even being known for his scoring touch, he is still a physical presence. And like I said, I think Svechnikov learned his lesson the hard way, unfortunately. All right, Matt. Tampa Bay, 62 wins, one of the greatest regular seasons of all time. But the playoffs could end tomorrow, potentially without them winning a game. And they led 3-0 after the first period of Game 1. You know, I've seen, uh, obviously, bits and pieces while being on air and and flipping with other games. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I watched about the last half of yesterday's game. And I thought the Lightning had a ton of chances, but but couldn't pull even. So what's been going on? What's what's your synopsis here of the three nothing Blue Jackets lead? Well, if the Svechnikov fight was a punch to the head, uh, the Blue Jackets series to the Lightning's been a punch to uh, parts south of the head. And uh, this has been uh, tough to say the least because when the Lightning drew the Blue Jackets, I knew it would be a better series, a closer series. Uh, than most people thought. A lot of people going, oh, lighting at four or five or whatever. I said, no, this this is a good, hardworking Blue Jackets team. They make you earn everything that you get. And unfortunately, starting in game one, I think the Lightning forgot that. You know, the first period for the Lightning in game one was so easy. Sergei Bobrovsky was not very good. The Blue Jackets defensive zone coverage was suspect at best. And, you know, you got a 3 nothing lead after one. So I think, you know, when you lead 3 nothing and you're expected to roll over the competition, you think everything's going to be easy, and you tend to get away from the team structure. You tend to get a little loose. You tend to forget about the other end of the ice. And uh, that's what happened. You know, Columbus worked hard. They chip, chip, chip away. And really from the start of the second period of Game 1 through, I would say, the start of the third period last night in Game 3, you had a Lightning team that was MIA, men- mentally fragile, uh, emotionally just checked out, and that's what's really concerning to me. I mean, you, you can't win every game, but this is a team that just for whatever reason just kind of curled up into a ball for seven straight periods, and now, you know, never mind, let's avoid the sweep. Let's just try to win another period here, and then, okay, let's see if we can make it two in a row and and try to avoid this historical collapse here because we knew Columbus would give them a battle, but I don't think anybody anticipated uh, this kind of situation. Even Blue Jackets fans, media, players, coaches, I don't think they saw this coming. Well, and and I didn't either. And the one, I mean, first of all, Tampa Bay, incredible regular season, and I've been saying all season long they are disappointed about last year not just losing in game seven to washington but how they lost game six and seven and look we've seen that before sometimes teams have 
one, two, three heartbreaking losses before they become champions. Capitals are, are good evidence of that. So I thought, okay, the Lightning have been through it and, and they've learned what they need to do in the playoffs. And that's what makes this even more stunning to me. Is it's they're they're not just a team that went from thirty-seven wins to sixty-two and had never been in the playoffs before. Like they know what the postseason is like, and this is still happening to them. Yeah, that's really the stunning part too. And I think going back to that game one, that's what's so agonizing about not the fact that they lost, but how they lost. You know, when you have that three nothing lead on home ice after one period of play, instead of going for that fourth goal, you're just gonna lock it down. You know, the blue jackets over the final two periods of play should have had maybe ten, twelve shots on goal. Shouldn't have had uh, really any good looks at Andre Vasilevsky, who, let's be honest, has been slightly subpar this series. I thought he had a much better game last night. And, you know, if you want to play revisionist history, let's say the Lightning hang on to game one. And games two and three play out exactly the way that they did. And, you know, the Kucherov suspension and the Hedman injury and all the other stuff that happened. Well, now you're down one game, uh, you know, one game to two. But you think, you know what, you win game four, it's 2-2, you're coming back home, all right, it's best of three, game on, boys. But, you know, the the agonizing way that they let game one slip away, it's like, guys, you've done this. You, you know what this is like. Not only have you been able to protect leads in playoff games and, and move on either to the next game or the next round, but they've also lost games in the past that they should have won but gave away or just didn't give their best effort. And that's what's really causing a lot of fans, uh, and let's be honest, employees too, uh, to bash their head against the wall because you're right. This isn't just, you know, some, you know, good story. This isn't the Carolina Hurricanes kind of stumbling into the playoffs. This isn't the 2013-14 Tampa Bay Lightning who get into the playoffs and, uh, well, it was a nice run. You know, this is a team that's battle-tested. I thought they showed it throughout the regular season that they were tired of being the bridesmaid. And after seeing Washington win the Stanley Cup last year and celebrate the way that they did, I thought they were sick and tired of being the runner-up here. But again, that seven-period stretch, I don't know what it is, but they just went into a shell. And ultimately, that fragility, whatever caused it, whatever kept them in the dark there, could ultimately have them getting swept aside and, you know, your season's ending on uh, April the 16th, which was absolutely unforeseen going into the postseason. And, and just quickly, Matt, Hedman's probably not going to play tomorrow again? Yeah, doubtful is the official word, and uh, I believe it too. I don't know if this is uh, an extension of the injury he suffered late in the regular season, but I thought defensively the, the team did all right last night, so they'll uh, try again, likely with Braden Coburn filling in for him. Matt, the Lightning have been a story all season long, but uh, the pretty big contrast for the reasons why here as we've gone through the postseason. Thanks for checking in, man. All right. Thanks again, Reed. Take care. That is Matt Salmon from the Lightning Radio Network. Man, that has been a stunner. I was not in the court that thought Columbus was, you know, all wrong for Tampa Bay. I just thought Tampa Bay was too good. But now Columbus in control, up three games to nothing. The Edmonton Oil Kings set to take on Prince Albert in the East Final in the WHL. We'll have a preview with Les Lazarek, who just called the series between the Blades and the Raiders. <laughs> This 
is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Edmonton Sports Leader, 630 Chad. Now 3-2 Toronto leading Boston. That is through two periods. Western Hockey League East Final starts on Friday in Prince Albert. The Raiders will host your Edmonton Oil Kings. Les Lazarick is the play-by-play voice of the Saskatoon Blades who were just knocked off by the Raiders in the second round. Les, welcome back to Inside Sports. How are you doing? Good, Reed. It's good to be back. Uh, good to chat with folks in the Edmonton area. Well, it's always great to have you on the show, and uh, I, I know you, you, you wish uh, we were talking about some upcoming games you were going to call, but I guess those aren't coming up until the fall now with the uh, the Blades being eliminated by the Raiders. Uh, look, Les, we, we know the season the Raiders had, and certainly they were favorites going into the into the postseason. But, but I mean, the Blades, pretty good squad, too. Pretty good run in the second half. Maybe before I talk about what happened in this series, tell me what you you expected uh, expected going in. I mean, a lot of people were picking PA, but did you see it as that black and white heading in? No, it wasn't that black and white, Reed. Uh, I think that uh, a lot of folks, especially some fans in Prince Albert, thought that this was going to be quick. Uh, they had won six out of eight games in the regular season, including all four at home. And uh, and that was probably the big thing for them, was that they had that home ice advantage. The Art Hauser Center in Prince Albert is a tough place to win in. Uh, the Raiders only lost, I think it was six games all year long, two of them in overtime, so they got a point out of those games during the regular season. But uh, they're, they're, a tough, uh, they're a tough out uh, in Prince Albert, uh, and as a result, I thought that uh, I think a lot of people felt that they would win easily in four or five games over the Blades. To take them to six, I thought it might have even gone seven, uh, but it goes six, and I think as a result, it kind of went as expected as far as I was concerned. For for this Blades team, kind of take us through the season less. Uh, I mean, I mentioned kind of you know a, a good second half and and obviously a pretty good run in the playoff and taking a, a tough team to to six games. How do you, how do you look at this year overall for the Blades? Well, I think it's a success without a doubt when you consider that the previous five seasons for the Saskatoon Blades had been non-playoff years. They had not been in the postseason since 2013 when they hosted the Memorial Cup. The rebuild was long and arduous. They didn't have any first-round draft picks until the 2016 Bantam draft. Those people don't, or sorry, those people don't show up in the lineup for a full season afterwards. And so you're waiting around for kids to come along and, and to and to join your hockey team and to complete that rebuild and it's it's tough to be patient with that especially from a fan's point of view it's like oh yeah these guys are going to be terrible again i guess but uh the blade stuck with it for the most part and we're uh, you know it was it was a tough pill to swallow for five consecutive years of missing the playoffs but this year made it all worth it they were going to be in the playoffs no two ways about that but then some moves that were made during the course of the year to bring in some key personnel especially on the back end and even some guys up front to help out with some depth scoring and all of a sudden the blades were one of the better teams in the entire league with 45 wins against 15 losses and eight extra time setbacks. They had the fourth most points out of the 22 teams in the Western Hockey League with 98, and as a result, it becomes a great success then going on beating Moose Jaw in four straight in the first round and taking the Raiders to six in the uh, Eastern Conference semifinal. Kirby Doc, Edmonton area product, expected to go quite high in the NHL draft. I had Cam Moon, who you'll know very well on uh, last week out of the Red Deer Rebels play-by-play booth, and he said, no way Doc is there for the Oilers at uh, <laughs> at number eight. To tell us a little bit about Kirby, uh, maybe a bit of a scouting report and, and where you see him heading here. 
Well, the one thing that he has is, is incredible skill for a kid who's six foot four and two hundred pounds. What he added this year was was muscle and size. He actually now is able to absorb the heavy going. Uh, and in this series against Prince Albert, we saw a, a great amount of that, where the Raiders made sure they had out their defense pairing of Braden Pahal, their captain, and Zach Hayes, a couple of nineteen-year-old veterans, guys who were big kids, six foot two, six foot three, over two hundred pounds, and are going to hit you at every opportunity, and, and Doc held his own against those guys. He didn't, don't forget, Kirby Doc's only 18. He just turned 18. He basically played his 17-year-old season, and this is his first shot at going in the uh, National Hockey League draft, and I, I really think he held his own. I think he excelled. I think the playoffs have helped him in his draft ranking, because I was told by some people from Central Scouting, well, watch out, he's going to take a bit of a dip here from number two amongst North American skaters down, and yet today we find out that his final ranking is third among North American skaters, and I know the general manager of the Blades, Colin Priestner, just finished telling us over at Sastel Center uh, on garbage bag day for the for the team that uh, yeah he expects him to go in the top five of uh, the National Hockey League draft in June in Vancouver. So we'll see. Uh, I don't know if it'll be top five, but I don't think he'll be there for the Oilers come eight. That's for sure. Most likely, though, he's he's still a Blade next year. Probably not quite making the jump. Well, I'd like to think that he would be. Uh, I mean, it depends on the individual teams that are drafting uh, and who pay, and who pick him. Uh, what's their needs? Uh, do they have that type of uh, history of wanting to have a kid at age 18 move into the National Hockey League right away? I, I think he could benefit from another year. I think there's still room for him to grow and to and to have a little more success and to have a good fun year in Major Junior. The Blades should be a pretty good team next year with a lot of returnees. They they lose. They're definitely their three 20-year-olds and probably lose a, a European who uh, won't be back as a 20-year-old for next season. But uh, they've got the, the good core of group coming back. And as a result, I think that he would benefit from being on a pretty good Blades team next season and see how far they go in the Western Hockey League. But that all depends on what the NHL team says. Les Lazarick joining us on Inside Sports, play-by-play voice for the Saskatoon Blades. Okay, I get to ask you this question. It is the Raiders and the Oil Kings in the conference yeah. final. I mean, the Oil Kings, a great story this year. They get over 40 wins. I, you know, I would have thought 32, maybe 35, 36 would have been a great season for them coming off, obviously, a last-place finish one year ago. You know, again, PA's the favorite. Edmonton's done a lot of things well. Uh, you're, uh, you're neutral looking at this one, Les. Uh, what do you think? Well, I see a lot of similarities between what the Oil Kings have done this year and what the Blades have done. Uh, the idea for the Oil Kings, after finishing last overall last season, was to be you know, in, in the playoffs this year. Let's just make it to the dance and see what ends up happening. Uh, and they end up catching fire. They make some great uh, acquisitions. Good, give Kurt Hill, the general manager, all the credit in the world. And Brad Lauer, in his first year as head coach of the Oil Kings, uh, I think I think did an outstanding job guiding, coaxing what they could out of that team. Uh, the fact that they swept Calgary in four straight is massive for them. It gives them a bit of an advantage taking on Prince Albert, although it can go both ways. When you sit there for that long. It's going to be eight days that off in between games for the Oil Kings when they finally go, go get going on Friday night in Prince Albert. The Raiders will only have four days off in between uh, and maybe a little more battle-tested based on what they had against Saskatoon, but uh, that's not to say that the Oil Kings had it easy against Calgary. I mean, game one was, what, a 2 nothing game
game for the Hitmen with five minutes left to go, and the Oil Kings came roaring back, tied it up, and won it in overtime, and that seemed to change the series right there and, and put it in Edmonton's favor. The Oil Kings are a good team. There's no two ways about that. They've got solid goaltending from two guys in Dylan Miskew and, and Todd Scott. They've got a very good defense core. They've got some outstanding forwards led by Trey Fix-Wolanski. They're 20-year-olds. All three of them have been outstanding for them this year in Quinn Benjafield, Vince Laschiavo, and Andrew Fighton, who has that experience of being part of that Swift Current Bronco championship team last year. You can't take away that type of experience from a team. So the Oil Kings are a formidable foe for the Prince Albert Raiders, but the Raiders just have so much of everything, Reed. That's the thing about them, is they've got... Ian Scott in goal, one of the best one-two goaltenders in junior hockey in Canada. They've got five 1999-born defensemen, meaning there's five 19-year-olds that are, you know, all very capable, big heavy, play a physical style of game. And then they've got some tremendous forwards in Dante Hanoon, a 20-year-old who was big against the Blades. Noah Gregor, who was a big guy. He's a San Jose Sharks draft pick who was huge in games five and six of the series here. And Brett Leeson, of course, is the revelation of the season, along with Trey Fix-Wolanski, guys who basically, according to a lot of people, coming out of nowhere and having a great season. And so Leeson and Trey Fix-Wolanski, that's going to be an outstanding matchup head-to-head, I would have to think during the course of this series. Yeah, it's, it's going to be fun, and it's been cool watching the Oil Kings so far. Hey, Les, thanks for uh, weighing in. Looks like the future is bright for the Blades as well. Always great to have you on the show, man. Read any old time, and I appreciate that, and hopefully it is a lot of more fun here in Saskatoon for years to come. One of the best in the WHL, play-by-play voice for the Saskatoon Blades, Les Lazaric. Oil Kings home games, games three and four in the East Final, will be next Tuesday and Wednesday. Tickets go on sale tomorrow morning at 10 at oilkings.ca. What was it like to be at Augusta when Wood sank the winning putt? You'll hear from somebody who was there when we get back to Inside Sports. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.